Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by ScriptRunner, and ScriptRunner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell script and standardize and automate IT tasks via a graphical user interface for help desk or end users. Check that out on scriptrunner.com. My name is Tobias, and I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. What I've been up to lately is that I've been diving deep into power over Ethernet. I, I think you're using that at home as well. And for me... I got the Unify LTE Pro. Uh, so it's, it's a backup device that if your main internet connectivity fails, uh, then your network gear will automatically hop onto this LTE device, which is like a, like a 4G connection. And I got the device. It took about two, two three weeks to arrive. I hooked that up to my switch. Uh, the, the LTE device powers up but nothing happens. So you cannot sort of adopt the device as part of your network or do any configuration. And I did a bit of debugging. I figured it's because I'm using an incorrect PoE injector. So, so that's the additional device you use to feed power to your device and also feed internet connectivity to the device. And the, the one I have is, is from the maker. They list this in the, in the data sheet for the device. It's an 802.3AF type of a device. Don't ask me what the AF stands for. <laughs> and this took about two weeks to arrive. Uh, so I went to the store then when I finally got the new injector, the 802.3AF. I went to the, the, the mobile operator store to get a SIM card. That took five minutes. Again, I connect everything. Still nothing. So I dig deeper and turns out I have to have an 802.3AT, not a F type of an injector. This is slightly different. So now I'm waiting for two additional weeks to get that type of an injector. And I'm doing all of this so that Netflix and Fortnite never fail for the kids if internet is out. That's very good. So I, I don't think I have a use case for such a device at this point in time, unless I did a lot of public speaking online or online webinars and things like that. I did do a webinar once, and I don't know, there was a couple of hundred people in, in the webinar, and my internet took a dive. Luckily, I live in an area in Sweden where I can get 125 megabit on my mobile phone. So I could just fairly quickly, within one minute, get on the phone uh, share the phone Wi-Fi with my computer and then get back on to the session. Um, but obviously that was a, yeah, a bit of a drama in, in the sense that the only speaker of the webinar dropped out. Um, so um, I, I understand the idea behind this and I really like it. Um, so it's something that I might look at um, you know, down the road, um, depending on, of course, you know, if you figure this cable thing out, because then you have the recipe for what I need to get whenever I need to set something like that up. I'm also using the Unify, Unify stuff. So on my end, the family is now in recovery mode from the COVID-19 virus. So we, we got it probably from kindergarten. So now we spend mostly time to do order in food, trying to relax 
And that's not entirely easy when you have two happy kids running around. Um, they, of course, need a lot of attention. So they get the rest. They get the fun. They get the attention. Whenever they want to sleep, they go to sleep. And I get the exhaustion because I need to obviously take care of these, uh, these two happy kids. The good thing is everyone in the family recovered. I'm the last one to get it. And I'm also the last one to recover. So I still have my uh, dry cough and, and a bit of the, the flu and yeah, some of these things. So we're still isolated at home. And it's also why you might hear my voice breaking up during this episode. And I'm going to let UC do a lot of the talking in this one, <laughs> uh, partly because uh, my throat is still recovering, but also because UC is the, the expert on this topic. So I hand it over to you. What are we talking about today? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So if you go mute for for an extended uh, period of time, it, it either means that, 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 that you're really recovering on the floor or <laughs> then you have nothing to add to the episode. I'll, so, I'll see you in four to five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All Have fun. Uh, so today, this is episode 123, the latest on Azure Bastion. So Azure Bastion, let's, let's do a super quick brief primer on, on what the service is, but let's, let's not dive too deep into what it is because we talked about Azure Bastion all the way back in episode nine. This was in December 2019, so, so about two years ago. But uh, as a sort of a primer, it's a secure and seamless connectivity service allowing you to use RDP or Secure Shell SSH to access your VMs. And, and up until now, it has worked directly from Azure Portal. So you provision Azure Bastion, then you can connect to a VM, all happening inside the same browser tab in Azure Portal. That's, that's it. So Toby, I know you are not hugely into virtual machines, but are you using Azure Bastion or, or have you ever deployed this? Not. I, I recall when we spoke about this, I did not know that it was episode nine, so it's quite a long time ago, but I, I recall we talked about it. And already back then, I, I was a big fan of, of the capability, but I think I also mentioned in that, that episode and a couple of episodes along the way that we don't do a lot of VMs, just like you said. Um, we, uh, we build, operate, and distribute uh, you know, a, a SaaS service. And a lot of that includes uh, containers, container instances. We used to run Kubernetes, uh, function apps, app services, uh, PostgreSQL databases, table storage, blob storage, all kinds of stuff, but um, not so much VMs. So we don't really run like a server on a VM. We have everything in microservices. And we don't need to have VMs for workstations. So everyone is working from home and we have devices connected to Intune. Um, so we're, we don't have the reason to use VMs in our company, which is kind of nice in a way. But like, imagine you do have that reason. Where does Azure Bastion come in? I know you just talked about how you can directly connect from the Azure portal. You have the different... Uh, options to uh, connect using RDP, SSH, stuff like this. Um, so we did talk about it, but like, what's the core benefits? If, if you would set this up today, let's let's turn the question around. If you would set this up today, what are the things you need to think about first? And then why would you want to choose to use this? Because I don't know. So this is a genuine question for me. So, so back in the day before the public cloud, essentially, you would set up a new VM or even a physical server. 
the the only way to connect with that would have been through RDP remote desktop or SSH if it was perhaps a Linux box. And the only thing you needed to do was was to punch a hole in the firewall. You would be perhaps at the office. You would have a separate, maybe physical network with your servers in on premises. You would route and punch punch a hole in the firewall, and then you could access remotely to the VM. That that was it. It was well understood. It was fairly easy at the same time. So so now in Azure, when you provision a VM in there, you have quite a bit of different remote connectivity options to, to access those VMs. So, so the obvious one, of course, is again, punching a hole in the firewall or in the network security group if you're not using something like Azure Firewall. And, and this is often, how would I say, this is often perhaps even advisable, but then it also requires you have a fixed static IP at your own, own, own network. So that that we can have this role and we don't have to keep to keep tweaking the IP addresses every day. So this is one option. The second, of, of course, is Windows Admin Center, which you can now enable from Azure Portal. And if you have a Windows VM, then with Windows Admin Center, you can do all sorts of remote management on the box. But also you can do remote desktop within Windows Admin Center to a Windows VM. Then we have the just-in-time in Defender for Cloud used to be Azure Security Center. It's it's sort of nice, but it's still the same. We are punching a hole in the network security group. I dislike this option for two reasons. It's it's quite expensive. Uh, there's a fixed additional fee per month per node or per VM. And also, you leave a lot of trust for the users. So a user needs to access your VM. You instruct them to, to click a couple of buttons, but they have the option to tweak the rule that will be punched in the network security group. And I, I dislike that. And then perhaps the most classic solution is to, is to build a VPN connection to Azure, perhaps a point to side. And, and we've talked about this previously. And the last option is, is Azure Bastion. And there's five, six options now, and you sort of choose the ones that are best, uh, a best fit for your network infrastructure. So, so this is Azure Bastion, a uh, super quick primer on this one. But now there's been a couple of updates to Azure Bastion as of lately. And when I say lately, I mean February 2022. And the first one is, is something that I've been wanting ever since we recorded that episode nine in, in late 2019. You can now connect to a VM hosted in Azure utilizing Azure Bastion using a native client, meaning the Windows Remote Desktop Client. Mm -hmm. Do you still recall the native client, the mstsc.exe? Oh, yeah. Yep. Good. So you couldn't do this before, before this preview feature, which is now live, because you would have Azure Bastion as a sort of a jump box, and you could only utilize Bastion through Azure Portal. And that right. sort of skips over the native client. So any thoughts what people have been missing because they couldn't use the native client? I mean, so um, again, not a, a big user of VMs, but when I do use a VM, I, I do use the mstsc.exe 
from the run command line to, uh, to launch a new RDP session and then just jump on the box wherever that is. So I really like this, uh, this functionality. But also, like if you had to go through the Azure portal before, it's a bit of a, an extra step, of course. So if you only started once per day, maybe that's okay. If you need to connect once and then you're just doing things in there. But if you have an, an admin machine that you need to maybe jump on and off 10 times per day, then perhaps it becomes a bit cumbersome. So yeah, and maybe things like, I don't know how that worked with when you did this from the, from the portal and you connected to it. Like with copy-paste, how do you copy files in the native clients? You can do the copy-paste thing. And I don't know, there's a difference in this area. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think the copy-paste, moving uh, usually a random text file or a bit of JSON or something from your local machine to AVM. That's that's what I hear quite often when when working with with customers, where they have a bunch of VMs, and then they have usually have external developers or data scientists who need to access those VMs for for numerous reasons. And every time when a customer forces those external users to use Azure Bastion. Or Windows Admin Center, they come back and say, "Yeah, this is a bit clumsy approach, and it's it's a bit slow, and I cannot transfer files. I'm prepping something on my local box. I just need to upload this this shell script, or I, I need to copy paste like 15 commands. I I'd rather not type them by hand again. And this sort of failed with Azure Bastion because it's an emulated RDP client. It sort of works, but it's 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 not like a paste." It's more like a typed paste. So it's as if the computer is typing those commands for you. And especially if you have autocomplete on, the typing is just slow enough that the autocomplete <laughs> starts adding all sorts of random parameters yeah, in there. You get those real funny messages, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and as, as I like to say, if you see red text in PowerShell, it means you're learning something because things are failing, typically yeah. quite drastically. So, so now... With Azure Bastion, you have this new capability to connect to a VM using the native client. And the native client is the built-in one in, in Windows. Um, so I, yep. I've got a question there. So how does that technically work then? Because you, know, in the, you have to kind of get a connection or a bridge or somehow you need to get your client machine to be trusted enough or connected to and uh, be able to connect to that RDP because I'm... I'm guessing the RDP is not like open, the VM is not open to the wide world. You still need to authenticate somehow and, and connect your machine to it. So how, how would you do that if you use the native client now then? This is a really great question because one of the benefits of using Azure Bastion is that you can now remove the public IP address of the VM. So essentially there is no way to connect with the VM externally unless you hop or or tunnel your traffic to Azure Bastion. So how it works is that first you need to enable native client support if you have an existing Bastion instance. And typically, if you've been using Bastion in the past couple of years, you might have multiple instances. So in order to enable native client support, you go to the Bastion instance and there's a, there's a new checkbox. But also, the Bastion instance has to be the slightly pricier standard SKU. So if, if you have the regular or the basic SKU, it won't have this support, which sort of makes sense. And then 
you have to have the latest Azure CLI, the cross-platform command line tools. So at the time of recording, the latest one is 2.32. And if you don't have, just do Winget install Microsoft.Azure CLI on a Windows box and, and it takes 30 seconds. And then when you have Azure CLI open on your local host, so nothing needs to be done on the VM, but you need to have a VM running and then you need to have a bastion that can see the VM. Now all you have to do is, is run the AZ command and you do AZ network bastion RDP or SSH and you add as a parameter at the bastion host, the resource group where the VM is sitting and also the specific resource ID of the VM. And you need to pick this up from Azure Portal. So that's kind of the, that's the magic glue here to get the connection yes. from your machine. Use the Azure CLI command AZ network bastion and then the parameters. Okay, Egg, that, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. And you can use this for SSH or RDP. And, and what happens now is that, that you, you get a warning sign that yeah, you're, you're using a preview feature and then it magically opens the remote desktop native client on your box and starts to connect with the VM and asks for authentication. So I was testing this last night and I, I started thinking, so how is it specifically instructing the native client to do something because it did not replace my native client with some new capabilities? And what I did is I downloaded the SysInternals process monitor Procomon. For some reason, I didn't have it on my new Windows 11 box. And I did check what's happening within the process. And what it's actually doing, it's opening an RDP connection to a random port on your local host. And it pipes that to the Bastion host and then to the desired VM. So it's, it's, it's actually quite clever in the sense that it's sort of creating a network tunnel without you specifying the details of the tunnel. Okay, I, like, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's quite seamless. Even if you first have to have Azure CLI, you have to do AZ logging, uh, select the subscription, and then do this, but you could easily script this as well. So the upside is that you now get the native client, you get copy-paste, so you can just Control-C any file you have locally, hop to the RDP window, do a Control-V, and it transfers. And with the native client, you get the, uh, the DPI scaling, you get all fancy features that you sort of have been using for 20 years now, but it wasn't available in Bastion setups in the past two years. But one perhaps interesting bit on the file transfer is that on a Windows box over RDP, you can download and upload files. Sitting at your local host, you can upload files and then you can download those back to your local host. But if you're using SSH for a Linux box, typically only file download isn't supported. So file upload from your local host to the Linux, that works. But download back to your local host doesn't work. I have no idea why it's like this. <laughs> it's like a write-only permission on a, on a storage account where you can, you can put more data in, but you can never get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is not typically something I need to utilize. And, and perhaps this would work in a Windows box because in Windows you now have command line tooling to, to fetch stuff from URLs. So typically use curl, and that of course works on Linux as well, or wget. So often if you have a random file, you just quickly need to transfer, you might utilize OneDrive or Dropbox or something to quickly move those back and forth. 
But if you can now just copy paste them back and forth, that's so much easier and faster. And I feel I don't have to switch context to do something and then get back to what I was actually doing. So, so this is perhaps the main feature that was now um, that's now in preview in in early February. But the additional capability is tunneling, so you can also build a tunnel from your local host to the bastion host and all the way to the VM. But the benefit of using a tunnel is that you can use a native client on a non-Windows PC. So if your local host is a Linux, you can now force to run the remote desktop, perhaps on the bastion host, all the way back to the VM. So you're sort of tunneling the command through the bastion host. And in order to do this, uh, you do the same command, the AZ uh, network bastion, but instead of specifying RDP or SSH, you specify tunnel, and then it tunnels that through. So, so this is okay. sort of is, is the essence. Have I sold you on the idea of simply using Bastion for all remote connectivity needs? <clears throat> I will use it for everything now in the cloud. So I, I think this, is, I, this makes sense. And like if, if I summarize what I just learned, support for a native client, which is nice. You can also use it using Linux if you do tunneling, which is also nice. So if you're on a non-Windows machine, that is helpful to know. You use the Azure CLI in a command called AZ Network Bastion to connect using SSH or RDP. And, and then your machine gets a tunnel or a connection to the, to the VM. So you can just RDP using the native client. You get copy-paste. Uh, you get that support for the, the native RDP client, which is really nice. Um, you can transfer files. You can copy from your machine to the, to the host machine uh, or to the, to the VM, uh, all of these things. So I, I, I really like this idea. Um, I see the use of this. I have customers running VMs, a lot of VMs, uh, either for you know the the mundane type of work like their office clients and you know development work and stuff like that, but also you know operating a lot of servers and and need some kind of jump box or or an admin box that they can sign into with just in time access and stuff like that. So it might also be an option for them to look at that for some of their machines, uh, which are more like management machines because their own devices are not trusted by Intune in a way to connect using an admin account, for for instance, then a, a VM might be required. So this might be an interesting way to securely connect to that VM from your local machine, get your work done, and then securely sign out um, and not compromise the, uh, the accounts or what's on the machine. So I, I really like that. But again, I'm, we don't use VMs, so I can only relate through others. Uh, I can only relate to my past memories of operating a lot of VMs, which I did. But I, I think this update is very welcome. And I, I like that you brought this up. I, I particularly like to understand what you just said here with use the Azure CLI, because otherwise it sounds a bit like magic, right? You, you have Bastion, but you, don't, you can use the native client now. And then if you don't understand the requirements for how to get that connection done, then of course it's it's a bit of a magic. But use the Azure ZLI and that takes care of this for you. So that's pretty that's pretty nice. And I don't see it as a problem either to have the Azure CLI uh, on your machine. It's super uh, simple to install um, if you don't have it. But I do suspect that a lot of people working a lot in Azure already have it. Um, so just make sure to upgrade to the latest version. So I think those are the the takeaways from 
what I just learned. So there's something in here. If you use VMs, this is definitely something to take a look at. Exactly. So, uh, like if you look at the pricing picture, is this uh, a built-in kind of free? You mentioned there's a standard SKU you need for the for the Bastion in order to use the native client support. So like what is the pricing differences between these different, the, the basic or, or normal or the standard SKU? So, so you pay per hour and, and, and the basic, since it's always running, unless you destroy that uh, in, the, in the middle of the billing cycle, the basic is 124 euro per month. So that's what about $140 per month. And the standard is about double, a bit more even, it's, it's 280 euro a month, so about $320. And, and the standard gives you um, better scalability because you will have two scale units by default. So that's why, why it's, it's, it's a bit more expensive. But then on top of this, you also pay for, for the bandwidth you use through the Bastion. The first five gigs is free, additional gigabytes are about seven cents per gig up to 10 terabytes and then it then it's slightly cheaper so looking at the price 280 euro per month for a bastion setup to use the native client definitely you shouldn't be using this if you have two vms it, it makes no sense it's too expensive but when you get up to about 10 20 vms and and you might have dozens of people accessing those then centralizing all of those remote connectivity capabilities and, and requirements on, on one set of bastion in, in one standard instance makes more sense than perhaps using the just-in-time in Defender for Cloud because that's per VM and it quickly adds up. It's about $15 per VM, so 10 VMs is $150 already. And, and if you have maybe 20, 30 VMs you need to access remotely, then I would say Bastion makes sense. I would not provision Bastion on a Monday morning and destroy that again on a Friday to save up on the weekend cost, <laughs> even if you could do this. But it takes several minutes to spin up the Bastion because obviously it's somebody else's computer running in the cloud offering the service for you. Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing Bastion as a great enterprise feature for remote connectivity. But for smaller deployments, it's perhaps easier to just punch a hole in the firewall or use the point-to-side VPN capability because that's about 20, 30 euro per month with the basic use. All right, that makes sense. Thank you for shedding the light on that. We have now the, the final thing of the episode, which is something that I thought long and hard about. Uh, it's the unexpected question. I think it's my turn now to ask you. And Super simple question, but the answers can, of course, vary a lot. What is the most ridiculous fact that you know? That's an interesting question. So I'm, I'm tempted to, to answer that, well, for a POE injector, it has to be the 802.3AT, <laughs> but we all know that now, so, so that's less ridiculous. But the other thing, and I, I sometimes... Uh, tell this to my kids, especially on the dinner table, is that the, you often hear people saying, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And at one point I, I went out to look, so when was sliced bread invented? And this was around 1920s. 
so about a hundred years ago. And it was, it was invented by a baking company. So before that, we had only unsliced bread. But then in, in 1920, they invented a machine that could slice the bread readily for you. So for about a hundred years now, we've had the best thing called the sliced bread. And if you now invent something else, you have to compete against 100 years of history and inventions to beat sliced bread. That, that is a good fact. I did not know that. I, I know of the saying, we, we use that a lot as well, best things in sliced bread. I did not know this is a hundred year old uh, tradition right now, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, that, that's a great fact to know. Uh, thank you for that. I had s- some facts lined up, but I, I will save them for a future episode because they, they will take the show for an entire different spin if, if I start lining those facts up right now. <laughs> I, I hear you on this. In the show notes, there's a link to the CC internal process monitor. If you are not using that yet, do download it. It's free, of course. And then a couple of links to Microsoft Docs on some of the additional parameters for using the native client experience now with the Bastion preview feature. Thank you again for joining us. And you'll hear more from us next week. All right. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.